Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Kevin Danino, founder and president of KCDPR. Kevin, thanks so much for joining me today. Greg, it's been a pleasure. Happy New Year. Yeah, likewise. Happy New Year. So uh, for people who haven't heard of KCDPR, and you probably should have, they've sent quite a few companies to Finnovate events in the past. But would you take a moment and just introduce yourself and explain a little bit about your perspective on the fintech industry? I would appreciate that, Greg. We'd be happy to. So we are actually celebrating year 15 of uh, of KCDPR. We started the firm in, in 2009 and our agency works really closely with fintechs, banks, financial services companies to really help transfer their, their vision into a voice. And so that typically means just managing their communications and digital marketing programs for them. Um, to your point, I've worked really closely with, with Finnovate and within the ecosystem now for um, a long time and, and really excited to work with a lot of innovative leaders in the space as well. Yeah, excellent. So one of the other pieces, which I maybe should have mentioned in the introduction, but you also put out a newsletter called Wonders and Blunders, which I thoroughly enjoy. And that's really what I'd like to talk with you about today um, is going through some of the the biggest wonders and or blunders from last year, looking at how people can avoid making some of the mistakes uh, that have been common uh, previously, avoid making those mistakes again this year. Let's start um, by by kind of looking back at 2023, and can you give us just some highlights, biggest wonders and blunders of the year that just wrapped up? Well, appreciate the the shout out. It is a it is a fun newsletter, um, and it actually started Greg with you know truly just that some you know interesting and almost funny blunder news and a lot of wonders, and we even had emojis with hair on fire uh, to <laughs> sum it up. But um, last year was definitely. Uh, quite an eventful year in, in terms of fintech and and banking, and so uh, look at the Super Bowl last year to, yeah. to kick off 2023. Right, we had we had TV commercials with the amazing Larry David in it um, for FTX, and in the ad, the the irony of it, the ad campaign was called "Don't Miss Out," and his character was like, eh, "Maybe I don't want to do that." Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's 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 hard to. To not sort of lump in what happened with crypto in general last year, various scandals, FTX, and everything that happened with SBF probably being one of the one of the bigger ones for sure. Um, and you know there was plenty on the the blunder side uh, with that. Um, and then really the you know kind of the the banking um, you know the initial collapse, I guess, of, of SVB and 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 various other banks. And really, the bank run on it, but I think the the blunder takeaway from from that situation was really kind of looking under the hood with a lot of companies and and realizing that wow, you know, corporate governance is really important. And you had a, a bank without a chief risk officer for quite a long period of time, for example. And so I I know we touched on that um, as well. Yeah. Uh, and then our friend Elon Musk uh, as well. So the the repositioning, I think, of Twitter to X purely from a branding standpoint. Let's take politics out of out of the mix or your personal opinions on what's gone on on Twitter. When they rebranded that company to X, 
for for almost a week there were there were press materials and just marketing materials that had still not been rebranded to X. Even the platform itself had a button that said click here to tweet. So the whole term of <laughs> tweeting and Twitter still existed. And so, you know, as marketers, that got our antennae up and we had a good about a, a lot of fun with that. And um you know, and also kind of saying F you to customers in a public forum, <laughs> probably not good for business either. So, you know, um, I think we can count that last one as both a wonder and a blunder because you kind of watch and think, how sure. could anybody do something like this? How could you think that was a good idea? No, but this has been, uh, I think, really good and just kind of recap. And some of these pieces are you think, OK, well, certainly there's an element of luck here, but. Um, some of it too, you just really open yourself up to some of this ironic attention, I think, particularly around, you know, the FTX, uh, commercial that you highlighted with Larry David. I think that really in retrospect, you look at that and think that's pretty cringeworthy right there. I want to kind of shift gears as much fun as it is to look at some of, um, these, these blunders from last year. I think it's also important that we look at them from the standpoint of, you know, learning opportunities. I think there are really valuable things that you can and should learn from some of these mistakes. Um, what, what are you seeing? What's, what are some of the lessons that you are drawing from some of these mistakes? And, and more importantly, you know, what are you advising your clients as far as how to implement some of the changes that they should be implementing as a result of seeing some of these really high profile blunders? Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, when you look at a lot of the blunders that happen and you think, okay, how can we either avoid this or kind of get ahead of things um, where it, it even gets to that standpoint? Planning in general, I think, is an un, it's it's often sort of underrelated and underappreciated. But planning from the from the standpoint and in, in twofolds, Greg, would be from a communication standpoint and a security standpoint. The the lessons learned are really being prepared and having a a, a very detailed plan. Be it whether it's related to a, a breach or an incident or a crisis scenario. But even like a rebrand, for example, the you know I know I don't want to poke fun at at X and Twitter too much, but all of all of these uh, situations are are easily avoidable, and in many cases, with the right amount of proactive planning, where you let the experts sort of take control, that's going to really make or break a company's reputation, and in some cases, their their bottom line. I mean, I I I know while it might not necessarily be smack dab in fintech look at what happened with mgm and and caesars where you're talking they were losing millions and millions of dollars every day to a to a breach and in many cases folks were finding out via sec reports um kind of the full scope of that and so the the theme of 2024 and it probably should have been the theme of last year as well is and what we're doing is is really working closely with a lot of clients on ensuring do you have a crisis comms plan in place if there is an incident and and we're saying you know we're still kind of saying if but the reality is when there is some form of of incident via cyber breach data loss etc what is the plan ranging from the the CEO down to your marketing and comms team so that the message can really be consistent and you can get ahead of these things to to ensure you know in many cases it could be reputational loss but also there's a material side to this too greg i mean it's 
Yeah. It's dollars and cents. You have publicly traded companies, you have shareholders, you might have VC firms. So it's, I think that's going to be the trend is sort of a, a back to basics mentality of, of planning and, and the topic of security being prepared for a uh, cybersecurity situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things um, that you kind of touched on there, which I want to highlight, I think, you know, obviously having a plan is really important, but also you know, looking at some of the you know, the blunders that you mentioned, where you've got, in many cases, teams of people who are really intelligent, really hardworking, who have, you know, a CEO or someone in a leadership position who maybe goes slightly off the rails, or you have a, a failure, as you pointed out, to not have a chief risk officer, things like this. And, and you realize how significant those pieces can be and how many people are affected. You know, if you were to look at um, what happened to FTX, for example, now clearly, you know, there's a lot of bad actors in, in very high profile positions there, but there's also huge numbers of people who um, genuinely believed in the mission, who were excited by it and who were clearly intelligent and quality programmers, quality coders and things like that. And it really just strikes me, you know, that these rules are in place for a reason, right? Because so many of those people were let down by these types of high profile errors. And all of a sudden you find yourself not only looking for a new job, a new uh, place of employment, but you also have this stain of, oh, well, you worked at FTX. Even if you did nothing wrong as on a personal level, you, you see how significant some of these pieces are. That reputational side of it is really easy to lose. And one of the things that I frequently talk about with companies um, who come to Finnovate is, you know, in many cases, is your CEO actually the best person to be up on stage doing this type of demo? And for many of them, yes, of course. They've got a great CEO. He knows what the messages are. But there are always a couple who hear that and think, you know, actually, maybe it's not. that. That's not the person who needs to be up there. They're really good at running a company, really good at inspiring people. But, you know, in a live mic situation, do we trust them to deliver the message the way the rest of the team is counting on them to deliver the messages? I think certainly, you know, really good food for thought. So, um, you know, with that said, let's look forward to 2024. You talked a little bit about, you know, some of the themes that uh, you think are going to be coming in 2024. Certainly there's no shortage of mistakes that need to be rectified. Um, but let's let's look at it from the other side. Let's look at it from this wonder side. Are there any potential, you know, kind of big picture gains or really inspiring things that you could see potentially on the horizon in 2024? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple that stand out for sure. I mean, with all of the focus lately on on security, you know, you have blockchain technology and the adoption of it in fintech and banking still relatively low um, as well. I think that's going to be a category where I think we start to see a lot more use cases in terms of blockchain kind of really being kind of plugging in. I think the fintechs will likely be the first to adopt um, as we as we tend to know, financial institutions and banks are usually a little bit farther behind on that curve. So, um, just the kind of the use case progress, the the, the security um, improvements that can be made, I think that will be a big piece of what twenty twenty four looks like, and and seeing new initiatives in in that front, as well as the I think probably one of the bigger elephants in the room as it pertains to to our space as well and probably lumping in the broader VC community is there's so much dry powder right now in VC I believe the FT reported like a four trillion dollar um, amount of dry powder in various private private investment funds heading into this year 
And so I think this, we got interest rates coming down likely a little bit to start the year here. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of a thawing, if you will, and, and likely some nice deals, be it fundraising on the VC side in fintech and banking, and then probably a good amount of M&A too, Greg, um, as well, both both on that front due to that lower interest rate environment. And, and hopefully we see some big IPOs. So um, all, all three of those, I think, kind of prompt um, a little bit more attention, if you will, to the investing side of the space. And I'll, I'll leave you maybe with one more. We talked a little bit about, about kind of the, the crypto uh, blunders, if you will, but there have been some wonders. I mean, the recent, the recent announcement uh, to have a Bitcoin, a spot Bitcoin ETF and over a dozen players, I think you're going to start to see more ETFs with different forms of crypto, whether it's an Ethereum or or XRP that lead the way. And so the the whole retail and institutional market now are are starting to become a little bit more centralized, if you will, um, with with crypto becoming even more mainstream and adopted across the board. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, you know, going to be interesting to see how that plays out, certainly how consumer sentiment is regarding some of those cryptocurrency pieces and it varies wildly depending on what type of consumers you talk to. Um but coming back to the kind of VC and private equity side of it, I think that's something where, you know, we certainly hope it's the case, right? I think there's been a lot of people who um, have been kind of watching that and thinking, you know, well, the fintech ecosystem is down, the fundings are down, which means that, you know, the amount of innovation is down. I don't personally subscribe to that view. I think you know, that there are still places for good companies, good ideas to get funding. Um, but there are also limitations. And if you look at you know some of the the people that I've talked to who say, and if you are a really ambitious founder, if your goal is to go and create something that really will have a massive impact on the industry, you really do need a significant amount of venture capital in order to make that happen. You can't bootstrap your way to the top of the pile. It does take some significant funding to be able to really do that. So um, I think that's a space that people will watch very closely. I certainly hope that you're right, that there is a little bit of movement there because there's so much on the sidelines right now. It just doesn't make sense. Um, and, and hopefully we see that money going to uh, the right kinds of people. Um, looking at 2024, um, you know, looking at some of the the more positive side, I want to talk about what what type of blunders are no longer forgivable. You know, I think everybody can make mistakes. You know, everybody's doing their best, but there are certain things which I think we now have to say, okay, in 2024, the standard is such that you cannot do this any longer. What would you say is in that category? What what types of blunders are no longer forgivable? I mean, I, I touched on a little bit on the corporate governance side. Um, so whether it's you know not having a, a specific layer to your management team that's required um, as well, um, whether it's a, a chief risk, risk officer, et cetera. But I think probably one of the the more prominent, you know, this this is not going to be something that's forgiven much longer. Is um, again on that on that topic of security. And whether it's breaches, you're you're seeing a lot of companies that are after the fact disclosing a breach happened, or maybe they've paid a, a ransom to firms. And when you're when you're finding out sort of after the fact, um, just in general, kind of after the fact communications are just no longer forgivable. I think the the market employees, customers, etc., really expect in many cases a 
a real time type discussion and communication on on events that are happening. So the you know the the no comment or you know finding out two three four weeks after the fact or or just you're going to be punished both in the the reputational side and or the market if we're dealing with publicly traded plays um, as well. And I would say kind of circling back to on your your prior question too, Greg, in terms of kind of what's going on in the VC space. I do think that, you know, to kind of go through some of what we could think of for this year, I think a lot of the the fintechs that, you know, were able to navigate through some of the trials and tribulations of the last couple of years and have kind of built up strong use cases and still grown. I mean, I think we're working with several clients right now on fundraising announcements. The The money's there, the rounds might be smaller, but I think the the companies that can show that they can really navigate and grow in a, you know, a, more of a trying environment, um, hopefully that will start to crack the ice a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. And I think looking at your unforgivable, I think you're spot on. I'll just add one more thing. Sending people who've been involved in a data breach a check for like a dollar <laughs> where if they cash the check, they absolve, they, they give up their right to then go and try and get recompense in someplace else. That's that's pretty messed up. I think that's unforgivable. So just kind of tacking one more on to uh, to what you're saying there. I, I see we are about out of time, and I want to end on you know a, a relatively simple one. Let's let's put you on the spot. Can you give us a bold prediction for 2024? And you know, don't worry, there's nothing at stake here except pride. And of course, the blistering social media campaign we'll put out next <laughs> December. If you're wrong, you can crucify me if this happens. But I think. Big picture, the I know everyone's talking about AI. I'm looking at AI under my lens from a kind of a branding and positioning standpoint. And I think there's there's some potential pitfalls ahead in terms of how AI's been or it plans to be implemented with all of the various GPTs, et cetera. We're we're currently working through a crisis right now with a with multiple clients that have been impacted by how AI has essentially generated content and pulled quotes from various spokespeople that that weren't theirs, but to the outside eye. Um, and from a reputation standpoint, there's just a lot of what I would call sort of fake news, if you will, out there. And so I, I think it's going to, unfortunately, probably a couple bad things are going to happen as it pertains to how AI is utilized within, in that environment for some new guardrails and regulation to occur. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of good to AI, but we, I think we still very much need some guardrails. And so um, I've talked to my team and 2024, I think is going to be the year that all of these content aggregators and AI and just a lot of crap gets pushed out there. And towards the end of the year, it's going to get cleaned up and we enter maybe 2025 with sort of a, a a more calm environment as it pertains to that. So, um, you know, yeah. let, let's see what happens, I suppose, on that front. Yeah, yeah, no, very interesting. And I, uh, I, it certainly sounds reasonable now. We'll we'll see how it feels in another 11 months or so. But um, I would encourage anybody listening to check out the Wonders and Blunders newsletter put out by KCDPR. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat through some of the best of with me. Always a pleasure connecting and appreciate your time. I appreciate it, Greg. Look forward to seeing you soon.
The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.